Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. As we turn to Romans chapter 2 this morning, I'll read verses uh, 17 to 24 here in just a little bit, but I first want to start out with a story from the Old Testament, but maybe take it from an angle that's a little bit different than what you might be used to. Now, you know the Jews, they were a people who had been wandering around for decades, and finally they were able to enter into the Promised Land, and they pulled off one of the most amazing victories in military history. Facing Jericho with its insurmountable walls and its unbreakable defenses, there was absolutely no strategic way for them to succeed in conquering that city. But the Jews were not alone. What could not be done naturally could be done supernaturally. And God gave them a strategy that was, well, odd, that's for sure, but it was effective. By following God's way of doing things, the walls came tumbling down. And the city of Jericho was burned, the people routed, great victory for the Jews. While reveling in that amazing victory, the Jews became arrogant. Some decided that God's strict commands were not to be followed, and they took things that they should not have taken. And then the leadership decided that they did not need to seek the Lord for direction on what to do next because they saw themselves as unstoppable. If we can take down Jericho, we can take down anybody. And so they developed this superiority complex that led them to being overconfident in their own abilities. Well, next on the agenda was to take the city of Ai. A-I. Now, the city of Ai was one of those places that we would call blink and you miss it might have one stoplight in the middle of town, and that's about it. You know the kind of town that I'm talking about. So they thought, you know what? This city can be overtaken quite easily. So in their overconfidence, because, well, they're the Jews after all, we can do whatever we want, the leadership decided that this city isn't even worth much anything. We'll just send a small band of soldiers and make very quick work of the city. So then we can move on to bigger and better things. And so the Jews sent this small band of soldiers. They attacked this little podunk town, and the Jews were quickly defeated and chased away like little, screaming little children. Their superiority complex Because, oh, we're the people of God and we just destroyed Jericho and all that. They thought that they were unstoppable. Nothing can stop us. Well, it led to an overconfidence that then led to their downfall. Oh, how things don't change much in history. As the saying goes, the more things change, the more things stay the same. So now... 1,500 or so years later, here's Paul. He's writing to the Romans. Now, the book of Romans is an amazing book. Paul speaks on the power of the gospel to save. But first, in order to understand it is the power of God to save and the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
he first talks about the need for the gospel, the universal need for the gospel. And so, you know, in chapter 1, yeah, the unbelieving pagans, they worship idols. They definitely need the gospel. They need to know they're sinners in the hands of an angry God who need a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus Christ who paid the penalty for sin. He died and he rose again. But then Paul says they're not the only ones who need the gospel. Paul then goes in to tell people, you know what? Even those good religious folk need the gospel as well. Here again, the Jews got a superiority complex over time. They forgot their history. As God's people, they became overconfident in the religious machine that they had built for themselves. This caused them to be prideful. It's caused them to look down on everybody else. We're the Jews, you're Gentiles. We're God's people, you're scum. You know, maybe not to that effect, but I mean, that is what they were thinking. Ah, we're the Jews. And then there's the rest of the world. But the problem is their overconfidence led them to miss their Messiah. Overconfidence, superiority complex. And we think that we Christians are immune to that. We think that was then, this is now, oh, we don't think that way. You know, at least we're not going to admit that because it's not polite. We're not going to admit that in, you know, certain circles. We're not going to say, oh, we think we're all that. But we got to be careful of us getting a superiority complex and we start getting overconfident. Because, you know, we might begin to think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I've got things made. I'm super holy. And again, we might not use these words. I'm super holy. I'm super spiritual. I'm immune to all the stuff there out in the world. And we begin to think, well, you know, actually, I, I'm, I'm better than other people. I'm, I'm, be I'm better than people even in my own church, we begin to think. And so we have this superiority complex, and we start being overconfident in ourselves, you know, and because pff, I'm the one that did it. It's all about me all of a sudden. We have overconfidence in ourselves. But you know what? That, that kind of complex, that overconfidence, that's not the way of God. It definitely doesn't bring you closer to God. I mean, and it does the exact opposite. And so we are called to think rightly of ourselves. We are called to a humility. And so today, if you think that you are all that and then some, we need to rethink our spirituality here. If your assessment of your spirituality makes you think that you are better than other people, that makes you, if you have a, a sense of your spirituality that makes you think that you are a legend in your own mind, then you need to heed the warnings that Paul gives. We want to learn about this overconfidence so that we can steer clear of these things. Yeah, you begin to think, oh, well, I'm immune to that. I don't have a problem with that. Watch out. Take heed of your pride, lest you fall. And so I want to read Romans chapter 2, verses 17 through 24, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read this passage. And Paul writes to the church in Rome, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed in the law, 
And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You, you who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, I pray you take your word and implant it in our hearts, and may we heed the warnings that you so give, and may your Holy Spirit bring us to a place of Christ-likeness more and more, moment by moment, as our eyes are transfixed on him. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What do we need to learn about this superiority complex this morning? Well, first, Paul warns us against the snare of overconfidence. Overconfidence is a snare. When you have this spiritual superiority complex, you know, you're suffering from this intense self-righteousness. Look at me, I'm all that. This self-righteousness will lead to an overconfidence in yourself. It'll lead to an overconfidence in your own spiritual capabilities, and it leads to your downfall. When you begin to think that you can trust only yourself and, and you think that, well, I'm the one that has it made here. I'm the one that God, you know, God thinks I, I'm special because I, I'm me and, and I am just all that. And you begin to look down on other people because, oh, they're not at my spiritual level. Be careful of that self-righteous path. It's a trap. It's a spiritual trap. And Paul points out areas to where the Jews had this overconfidence. And he points out where this overconfidence became a snare to them that led to wrong living, wrong thinking. And, and we got to be careful because we can easily fall for some of these same things. So what were some of the snares? What were some of the traps? Well, first, he points out that they were overconfident in their lineage. They were overconfident in their lineage. And in verse 17, he points out that they call themselves Jews, which doesn't seem like a big deal because, well, you know, some half of the church in Rome were Jews, or most of the church possibly were Jews. So that doesn't sound like a big deal if it was the truth. But you got to look at the context and the way that Paul is kind of, of writing it. Because the way he's putting it is, yeah, you think you're Jews. You, you think you're superior over the non-Jews. You're... you're you're, you're up here, you're the elite. And the Gentiles and the rest of the world, they're all down here. I mean, you know, they, I'm a Jew, I'm God's chosen person, you're, you're nothing. And so they were boasting in their lineage, their genealogy, their heritage. But here's the problem, they boasted in that. They boasted in that lineage, but they did not boast in God. I am spiritually superior because I'm a Jew. They didn't boast in what God had done for the people. They believed that, well, because they were the descendants of Abraham, well, we can do whatever we want. We're the ones in charge of this earth. And so they thought that they could treat others shabbily because of their heritage. But as John the Baptist pointed out to them when he was doing his baptizing thing, look, you are not special because you are of 
you know, descendants of Abraham, God could raise up descendants of Abraham from the stones that are lying here. You see, it is not the lineage or the heritage that matters, it's your heart toward God that matters. Not your genealogy, but your heart. We've got to be careful with this. I mean, there's a whole, probably a whole lot of ways that, that we've got to be careful with this. I mean, one way we've got to be careful is thinking that just because that you were brought up in a Christian family, that you cannot think that you can just ride the coattails of your family and not have to come to faith in Jesus Christ yourself. Well, yeah, my granddaddy was a preacher, and my dad did this, was a deacon, or whatever. I'm just going to ride their coattails. That's not the way it works. You have to come to faith in Jesus Christ yourself. You have to walk with God personally and humbly yourself. You know, there's another way that we might be overconfident. We might become overconfident in our denomination. Now, personally, I think to be Baptist is to be biblical. But our denominational allegiance does not necessarily bring us any closer to God or make us walk more like Christ. We have to walk personally and humbly before our God through Jesus Christ. We cannot ride the coattails of a denomination. We cannot ride the coattails of family. We cannot think we're special just because of whatever our heritage might be. What have you personally done with Christ and what are you personally doing about it because of Christ? So walk with God personally and humbly. But there's another snare that Paul warns about. The Jews ran into, they, they, they were overconfident in their love of the law. They were overconfident in their love of the law. He says in verse 17, the middle of 17, they call themselves Jews and they rely on the law. So, you know, the Jews were very proud that God, he gave the law through them. He revealed the law to them alone. But here's a problem that he points out later, like in verse 23. Okay, you know what? You're boasting that God gave you the law through Moses. You're not following the law. Yeah, we got the law. So what? You, you receive the law. What are you doing with it? They're not, they're not acting upon it. Yeah, we have the law. You know, if you, if, when you read the Gospels, many of Jesus' confrontations with the religious leaders was over this point because they thought, we, well, we're kind of sort of following the letter of the law, but they definitely were not following the spirit of the law with their whole heart. But they just thought, well, Moses got the law. We're Jews. That made them spiritually superior. But they did nothing with it. And so here we are. Southern Baptists. Up until recently, there was a time when Southern Baptists kind of puffed out their chests and they boasted about the fact that, you know what, all these other denominations are falling and... Uh, and here we are. We're, we're strong. There was the conservative resurgence in the 90s. And we bragged that we won the battle, we won the war for the Bible. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's a good thing we won that war. Because it's good and right to believe that the Bible is inerrant, infallible, and it is inspired. That's the truth. But here's the thing we run into. What good is it to boast on your love of God's word if you're not obeying God's word? 
You, bo- you boast that you're a believer in God's inerrant word. All right, does your life actually reflect that claim? Oh yeah, I think that, that God's word is inerrant, infallible. I, I believe all these right things. What does it mean to your life? Well, I, I, I'm Southern Baptist. What are you doing with it? You know, Jesus confronted the religious leaders of his day. I mean, they, because they boasted, we have the law and we know the law better than anybody else. And, but then Jesus would point out to them how they broke the law. For example, like, okay, there's this law that says, honor your father and mother. But what the religious leaders were doing was they started creating all these loopholes about why they should excuse themselves from taking care of their elderly parents like they should. They voided the law by their actions, even though they boasted in the fact, well, we got the law. Okay, so what? You know, that'd be like like boasting, well, I have a Bible. I don't ever read my Bible. I don't follow what the Bible says, but you know what? I have a Bible. Yeah. So does most people. What are you doing with it? Are you obeying? Are you following? Are you living it out? So that's the second snare. There's a third snare that Paul points out was going on with them. They were overconfident in their learning. They were overconfident in their learning. Paul talks about the fact that they boast about knowing God and being able to know his will and approve what is excellent because we ha- we. We've received instruction in the law. They they boasted that they went to the right schools, they got all the right education, they learned all the right theology. They had degree after degree after degree. They had more degrees than a thermometer, maybe, in whatever schooling that the Jews had at the time. We have instruction. We We got us some learning, as we say in the South. They were proud of it. They boasted about that. In fact, well, I mean, the Pharisees, They had somewhat accurate theology, other than they completely missed their Messiah, but they were the theologically conservative folk. But the problem was, all that learning made no difference in their heart and lives. Made no difference. It didn't change them. I mean, they knew, you know, we we know the phrase jot and tittle, or, you know, your version might say iota and marking or something about that. It's talking about like the smallest things found in the Hebrew and Greek languages. They knew the word to the smallest detail. They even memorized a good portion of the word. They knew their theology inside and out, and yet it left them with a cold, dead orthodoxy because all it did was lead to a confidence in themselves. It led to a confidence in their own learning. Rather than leaning on God, rather than having a greater faith in God, rather than living for God, Well, it became all about them. So they thought, well, we have all this knowledge, we have all this information stuck in our heads, that makes us superior to everybody else. Well, here's the thing. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote an epistle, right? It comes right after Hebrews. And he said in his epistle, well, okay, you believe in God, you know all this stuff. Guess what? The demons believe. The demons know. I mean, they don't even believe. They know. They know for a fact certain things. Demons, in all honesty, they probably know the Scripture better than most humans. They, probably, they, have, they have a right theology because they know. They know who God is. They know what God did. And 
They know what God's doing. Here's the thing. It makes no difference in the life of a demon. The demons have all this knowledge, and it makes no difference whatsoever. Now, obviously, I'm not saying don't have knowledge about your Bible, because you do need that. I'm not saying, you know, don't have good theology. No, you definitely need good theology. You need both of those things. But where is that instruction and learning leading you? What is it doing in your life? Do you think that it makes you superior because, well, I know, I know all this stuff? You know, you say, well, I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the deity of Christ. I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. And all of those the good theology points, good, those are all true, those are all right. But what difference is it making in your life? Is it just something you can boast about in yourself rather than boasting in Christ? If you have all that instruction, what good is it if it is not being lived out in your life? There's a final snare that he talks about. They were overconfident in their leadership. They were overconfident in their leadership. They thought anyone and everyone ought to follow them. In verses 19 and 20, Paul says that the Jews considered themselves to be guides to the blind, light to the darkness, instructors of fools, and teachers of babes. They had the law, they had the learning, and they naturally thought, well, why wouldn't the rest of the world want to follow us? We're the upper class, we're the elites. How about all those little nobodies, the lower classes? Why wouldn't they want to follow us? Why would no one want to follow our leadership? You know, not that wanting to lead people to the truth is wrong. I mean, you definitely want to do that. That's the calling of the Great Commission. But you've got to consider the motives of what they were doing. Because honestly, they didn't want to lead people to follow God. They wanted to lead people to follow themselves. They wanted a cult of personality. They, they wanted to make people more like them. Who Jesus warned about that. You're, you're, you're leading them to be, want them to lead more like you? You're making them twice the child of hell by doing that. Boy, wanting to lead people to you as opposed to leading people to Christ, that is some dangerous stuff. And it, it plays out in our day, kind of in the celebrity culture, uh, celebrity pastor culture, celebrity preacher culture kind of thing that goes on. Not, not that, you know, listening to your favorite preacher on podcasts or whatever is bad. I mean, I do that. But when, it, when your focus is on the celebrity preacher rather than it is on God, hey, there's a problem. I mean, when you hear people boasting on their celebrity preacher rather than boasting on God, well, there's an issue. Who, who is this celebrity preacher pointing you to? But the problem is a lot of these celebrity preachers, they eat it up. They lead people to be mini versions of themselves. They're trying to conform people into the likeness of them as opposed to conforming them into the likeness of Christ. When you think you're superior, you think you have all the answers, and you think that, that well, I, I'm me and people all ought to want to follow me, there is a big problem. So there's all these snares. There's all these traps. Of, being, of overconfidence, of a superiority complex that we got to look out for. But what does that look like? When someone is falling into that, what does it look like in their lives? What, what are some of the symptoms of that? So, so let's go to the next major lesson that Paul talks about. He talks about, here are the symptoms of having this overconfidence. 
Here are the symptoms of having this superiority complex, and he gives three symptoms of this overconfidence. First, they say that he, that he says that they develop a hard heart. They develop a hard heart. Paul asks a very good question in verse 21. You who teach others, do you teach yourself? Are you open to being taught? I mean, these folks were so self-righteous that they thought, well, I have it so spiritually together, I really don't need to learn anything from anyone. I really don't need to listen to anyone because I'm just all together. I got it together. The hearts became so, clo uh, so hard, I mean, they're, they're closed to any sort of instruction or reproof or correction or, or training or anything. They don't even want to hear from God. God, I got this. I mean, I have it all together. I mean, look at me. Again, no, no one says that out loud, and yet what do our actions say about that? And so these folks, they were perfectly fine living out a superficial religion that lacked any depth. I don't need to learn anymore. I've got it all together. I'm as deep as I need to be or want to be. Their hearts were rock solid. They would not listen to God, would not listen to his word, would not listen to his prophets. No, mm-mm. I got it. And now today, all around the world, there are people who are sitting in pews, and they do it week after week, and they think, well, I don't need to listen to the preacher because, frankly, the preacher, there's nothing the preacher could say that I don't already know. In fact, in their hearts, th they think, well, you know what? I could teach that preacher a thing or two. Well, yeah, probably could. I I'm open. I'm game. Let's learn. Or it might come out this way. You know, when, when the preacher is hitting on something and we're, going, we're studying the Word, the teacher, the life, you know, be a life group teacher, whatever, they're hitting the Word, they, people begin to think, well, they're talking about somebody else. They're not talking about me. Even though it might be relevant to them personally, they think, eh, well, the preacher must be talking about somebody else. You know, when, when a preacher does what a preacher does kind of thing, and, and he starts hitting on a particular sin, and, and that person is actually guilty of that sin, but, you know, they may hear what the preacher is saying, but they're not listening to what the preacher is saying. And so it doesn't penetrate their hearts, so it leads them to repentance. So, yeah, the preacher is preaching out of the Word and touching on that one particular sin that that person is, is guilty of, but their heart is so hard, I mean, it's just kind of bouncing off. And, and, and so the, they sit there thinking, well, the preacher must be talking about somebody else. Because it sure isn't talking about me. I wonder how many people sit in pews and think, yeah, go get them, preacher. When instead, they should be thinking, yeah, you got me, preacher. When you're overconfident in your spirituality, you develop this hard heart, and you're unteachable. Not even God could teach you. Beware of that. But that's not the only symptom, because Paul also says that they suffer from hypocritical living. They suffer from hypocritical living. In verses 21 and 22, Paul asks them, all right, do you teach people not to steal or commit adultery or be idolatrous, and then you turn around and you yourself steal and commit adultery and be idolatrous? 
I mean, are you saying one thing and then turning around and doing another thing, or you're doing the same thing you're condemning? I, I mean, do you go around kind of putting on airs like, oh, I don't sin, I got it all together, and you start condemning people for sin, but the funny thing is, you're doing the same sin that you're condemning these people of? That's what happened to the religious leaders in Jesus' time. I, I, I mean, read Matthew chapter 23. I mean, Jesus just waylays into hypocritical living of religious folk. I mean, he's specifically talking to the religious leaders. But man, it ought to cause some pause for everyone who claims to be quote-unquote religious, who claim to be quote-unquote Christian or whatever. I mean, Jesus just lays right into it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! And then he lays out what they did does that several times. He does that because the religious leaders were doing the whole do as I say and do as you think that I do, but I don't actually do it. So just do it. They, they were hypocritical. You know, Paul described them elsewhere as people who profess to know God, but in their works they deny him because they do abominable, disobedient things and they disqualify themselves from every good work. You know, our, our hypocrisy could be something like, okay, I claim to be a person of the Word, but I don't actually get into the Word. Our hypocrisy could take on a tone like, okay, so you're all nice and sappy to someone, to their face, and then later on you turn around and you start gossiping about that person to the next person you see. Oh, hey, how you doing? So good to see you. Love to see you. Yeah, you're great. You're awesome. That. Let me tell you about this person over here, what they did. How quickly do we turn like that? Maybe you raise your hands in worship on Sunday after having partied and committed immorality on Friday and Saturday. Maybe you go hard on condemning people for certain sins, saying they're going to hell and all that, and then you turn around and you commit the same sins or similar sin. If that's you, excuse me, your hypocrisy is showing. But there's another symptom that Paul mentions even on top of that. There's the symptom of a hurtful witness. A hurtful witness. In verses 23 and 24, Paul tells them that they make all this boasting, even, even though they, I mean, they put their, their confidence in the wrong place. They're, they have their confidence in themselves. But what they're doing is causing the Gentiles to blaspheme the name, the, uh, the name of God. You know, your hypocritical living is causing all these unbelievers to curse God, right? That's the message Paul is giving here. What you do, I mean, unbelievers see it and they know there's a disconnect between what you're doing and what you're preaching, what you say you believe. Well, why in the world would I follow a God like that when you can live like that? You know, Christians with a superiority complex, they, they pretend to be all high and mighty, and then they turn around and they act so low and wickedly. And unbelievers are like, yeah, thanks, no thanks. When, when, when you live self-righteously, acting superior to others, and then you live the way you live, it hurts your witness for Christ, because even unbelievers, they know that those are not the qualities that Christ taught. Unbelievers, yeah, they say they don't believe, 
But you know what? They know what it is that we preach, and then we see that our lives are not following that same thing. When you do that, you destroy God's credibility in the eyes of unbelievers. I read a, a, a little snippet from Stuart Briscoe, pastor and author, and he just recently passed away. But he wrote about a time before he was a preacher, he had to deal with a, a fellow employee who embezzled a ton of money from a bank that they worked at. And, and the reason that he had to embezzle all this money is because in two different parts of the nation, he had two different families. He had two different wives, two different sets of kids, two different families, and neither one knew about the other. The problem was, and I guess this is the way he pulled it off too, because I'm like, how in the world we pulled it off? But I think this is how. The problem was, he was an itinerant preacher, an evangelist. You know, he would go different places to go preach. So maybe that's how he pulled it off. Well, Briscoe says in the snippet that I read, so following the weeks that it all came out, this guy was a hypocrite. This guy, he, he said one thing, did another thing, and then he embezzled all this money. He ta Briscoe talked about the damage that it did to the cause of Christ. He found out that his fellow workers at this bank not only despised the man for what he did, but they were very much quick to dismiss the church that he belonged to as a bunch of hypocrites. They dismissed the gospel that he professed, professed to be a lot of hogwash, and they dismissed the God he claimed to serve as something non-existent. Your hypocritical living will lead to a hurt witness. So let me ask you, does your life and your claim of religion cause people to praise God or to blaspheme God? What, what problems we cause when, I mean, we're just so overconfident in our own spirituality? But I don't want to leave on a negative note, so let me very much, very quickly make a final point and just talk about the superiority of Christ's confidence. We are not to be confident in ourselves. We are to be confident in what Christ accomplished. So our superiority complex leads to a bad religion. This is true religion. When your boast is not in yourself, when your boast is not in, look at me, what I do. It's when your boast is in Jesus Christ alone and all that he accomplished on the cross, right? Paul knew this to be true. He, he wrote elsewhere that he would not boast in anything else other than in the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I am not going to fall for the traps. I am not going to boast in my lineage as a Jew. I'm not going to boast in my love for the law. I'm not going to boast in my learning. I'm not going to boast in my leadership ability. And the funny thing is, Paul could have. Paul easily could have because he had all those. He had the lineage. He had the law. He had the learning. He was a leader. He could have boasted in all that stuff. And he said, no, I am not going to boast at that. I am going to boast in Jesus Christ, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried, and raised on the third day. That's where my confidence is. And... and if you have this overconfidence, this superiority complex, you're going to miss that because you place your confidence in yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm good with God because I'm such a good guy. I'm such a good girl. Me and God are cool because 
I'm just that kind of person. No. That's confidence in self. Your confidence needs to be in Christ. A true Christian and a true Christianity places confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And when your confidence is in that, you don't boast in yourself. You're not confident in yourself. It leads to humility and meekness and a deeper love for God and others because Jesus is the one that paid it all. Jesus is the center and substance of what it's all about. Our words and lives should paint a beautiful picture of him for others to follow. That's what our life should do. Let me close with this one final illustration. There was a commercial that had come out years ago, and, and it was a commercial about what, what is real beauty. And what they did was they got this police sketch artist person to sit behind a, a curtain, and while behind that curtain, he would interview women and have them describe themselves, although he never saw them because he was hidden behind the curtain. But not only did he have them describe themselves, he also had them describe other ladies that were there in this group, and none of these other ladies had met one another before, and, and things like that. And so what he did was, based on the interviews, he would draw a sketch of how the person described themselves, but then he would also do a sketch on how the other people had described this person. And so what they found through this whole experiment was that, okay, the, the portrait that was based on the women's own description of themselves, it was sadder, it was less attractive, it was more closed off. The pictures that were from how the other ladies had described them, it was favorable, it was beautiful, it was amazing. And so when they saw the pictures next to each other, there was a lot of shock and awe, so to speak, a lot of self-realization. They realized what they thought of themselves versus what other people think. And I dare say there are many Christians in this world who are the exact opposite of what they did in that commercial. There are many people who paint themselves to be some sort of super holy, super spiritual person, and they look down on other people while the world sees them as something completely other than that. There's a problem with that kind of religion. You know, we should... I mean, it shouldn't be about us at all. It should be about Christ. If we're going to paint a portrait, if we're going to paint a picture, let us paint a portrait of a Jewish man who is God in the flesh, who bore the sins of humanity on the cross, rose again to, to life, to grant everlasting life to those who would believe. Our confidence is in him, not in ourselves. And so, Christian, maybe you need to come to the altar today and get some Christ confidence. Not necessarily that you are boastful about yourself, but you need to find some confidence. Your confidence is in Christ. It's come to the altar. Maybe you know people who need some Christ confidence. Come to the altar. Lift up their names. But maybe you have not put your, your confidence in Christ yet. You have not trusted in Jesus Christ yet. Today is the day you come forward during the invitation and give your life to Jesus Christ, not to your sense of spirituality. Oh, I'm a spiritual person. Great. What in the world does that mean? I'm a spiritual person. What does that mean? Just that I'm spiritual. Well, I've actually I've heard that from people. I'm spiritual. Okay. Explain. Your spiritually spirituality is no good unless it involves Jesus Christ dying on the cross and raising again on the third day. That's your spirituality. 
nothing else. So put your confidence in Him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.